Welcome to Generation this morning. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving and uh, enjoyed yourself. We had a great time in New York City, and so uh, it was a great time, cold, but uh, really good. So this morning, uh, just before we get into uh, the Word and uh, what we're going to uh, talk about today and just open up the Bible, um, we, uh, I-, I wanted to bring Raquel up here this morning uh, so that we could uh, just talk with you just as a, as a church family. Uh, uh, as uh, if you've been under a rock for the last three months or four months, then uh, just to let you know that we are transitioning out of this building uh, as a church, and uh, we we are not uh, uh, continuing our lease on the building at the end of this year, and so uh, we're going to be homeless at the end of the year. Uh, so there's a lot of different things that are going to go on over the next couple of months. And so uh, if you were not here last week, uh, I would encourage you, uh, just uh, if you want to go to our website, thisgen.com, there's a media tab there, and uh, you can listen to all our sermons and things. But uh, there's a, a snippet there from last week um, where I was talking about uh, what's going to happen in January and February. Um, just a temporary uh, uh, situation that we're going to be in, in in January and February. So make sure that you go and listen to that because it will give a lot of context to what we're going to talk about uh, right now. Um, and, uh, but just to give you a quick overview, January and February, this is what's going to happen. January 5th, uh, so j- sorry, December 22nd, it's going to be our last main service here. Uh, it's going to be a, a kind of a celebration service. We're going to have the kids in here. We're going to have a great time. Uh, um, and uh, so join us for that. It'll be a Christmas service and join us as we celebrate kind of our last service uh, here uh, on the corner of uh, Old Edmonton and Wheel Road. Um, and then January 5th, we're going to have a moving day. So uh, uh, the, did you know that serving is as spiritual as raising your hands in worship? And so, uh, yeah, thank you. So, well, well, it is. I mean, it is. Uh, Jesus washed disciples' feet and that was as spiritual as uh, Jesus praying or healing the sick. And so on January 5th, we're going to have a moving day. And so we encourage you to come out and uh, serve with us as we tear down everything and uh, we pack up um, and we vacate uh, the building like, uh, you know, Frazier has left the building kind of thing. So uh, so, so we, we are going to... Uh, um, do that on January 5th. And then January 12th um, and January 26th, uh, we are going to, uh, for January and February, have some smaller expressions of Generation uh, Church. Uh, and so we'll have a couple of different expressions going on uh, in the county um, on January 12th and January 26th. And then on January 19th, we're going to have a larger gathering, which will look a lot like what we do here on a Sunday morning. Um, and so that's kind of the plan for January and into February um, for the moment as well. So what we did last week is uh, we asked you when we were communicating this, uh, we ha- everyone has some index cards and we asked you to write um, on index cards, what are your fears, what are your questions and what are your suggestions? What are your fears, what are your questions, what are your suggestions? And I want to say I want to thank you. I want to thank you firstly for those of you who wrote down your fears because we need to hear them. We need to hear which we're a family. And this isn't like a totalitarian organization where we just go and you come after us. We, 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 we need to hear your fears. So thank you. Because a lot of those things that we already know of and some of them we didn't know of. Uh, and then thank you for your questions as well. Thank you for, for, it's always good to question. It's always good to ask questions. 
Um, and then also thank you for your suggestions. There were some really good suggestions in there. So what we're going to do this morning, we're just going to quickly address just some of those fears and some of those questions. And so I've kind of narrowed it down into four. Um, first one is kids. Second one is outreach. Third one is connectedness. And the fourth one uh, Alex and Raquel, I'll say that one. That's because that was a fear as well uh, and stuff. So Raquel is going to address, the, obviously, the kids and, and things. I'll, I'll address some of the others and the kids and the connectedness. But let me just say before uh, she kind of addresses the kids, let me just give you a quick philosophy on, on what I see kids' ministry and youth ministry. About 25 years ago, uh, churches evolved from having kids in service and youth in service to having separate services for kids and youth. And uh, we hired, churches hired professional kids workers and professional youth workers and uh, had these grand things and attractive things so kids would come and things like that, which were great. And have teaching that was relevant to kids, we needed it. And it was wonderful. But there was one thing that was missing that I saw and I've seen over the years in just kids ministry and youth ministry is they don't see their parents worship God. And it, it's, it's a huge thing for me because I know that what made me and molded me into the person I am today was sitting in church and watching my parents worship God. I saw how my mother prayed in church and it taught me to pray. I saw how my mother and father worshipped in church and it taught me to worship. And, and so uh, I, I'm not saying that kids just now come in, into the service, but I think... We need to get away from a separation of kids and adults. The Bible is full of situations where Jesus walked around and kids were with him. I think as adults, we don't need to be afraid of kids. And I think as adults, because sometimes we are. People that, I don't want anything with kids, you know. Kids, they're nasty. They pick their nose, you know. I mean, like, I don't want to deal with them. We can't be afraid of kids. But we also have to, together as a family, teach kids what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Not just the one or two people who are called in that area or gifted in that area. Did you know kids workers isn't a spiritual gift? It's not. Kids workers isn't a spiritual gift. As a family, we're called all together to reach our kids. So I just wanted just to give that some context, just how I feel as a pastor when it comes to kids' ministry. But I, I want Raquel just to address some of the things uh, just with, with kids. Hello. I don't get to see you guys often. I'm so glad I'm here. And talking about something that I am passionate about, uh, two things I'm passionate about is worship. And if you see me worship, you know that I love worship. Um, I can't contain. Uh, but the other is kids. I love kids. And part of the reason is you and I will keep getting older. And we have a little generation that's going to grow up. And if we don't invest in them, if we don't love them here in the church, if they don't come into the stores and feel loved by you, not just the people they get to see every Sunday, but they get to see someone. Some of those kids don't get to, don't have grandparents. My kid is one of them. They have them away. Some of you can be those people to him. So we are here as a family to love on each other, and kids is one of them. And some of the people, some of the things that people wrote were, uh, as far as fears, you know, uh, it, it, they talked about kids, and uh, uh, they called it babysitters, which I have to tell you, we're not babysitters. 
I express that to the people that work with us. I want them, when the, they are with them there, love on them. You know, don't just fill in the time, but love on them. Like you would your nephew and niece or your own kid. Love on them because it is through that love that they're going to start seeing what Jesus means, what the church means. So they're concerned about that, concerned about having kids in service, uh, if that's going to happen. They're uh, having, um, let's see, I think that's a, uh, my fear is the future for kids and especially youth also. Um, so one of the things that we were talking with Alex about is in, in the transition period, you know, what what's going to happen? And, if, and it's a very valid point for, for parents. Okay, what's going to happen? Will my kids, you know, what's going to happen with kids? You know, are we, am I not going to be able to take kids somewhere and, and have them, you know, be part of kids' church like they usually have? So one of the things is we know that we believe. Uh, one of the things that's not going to change is our belief in pouring into kids. It's focusing into speaking God into these kids' lives because we believe in the young generation. So that's not going to change. What may change in that transition is the method on how we do that, which methods are not sacred. Methods can be changed. You see it all around. You probably, even yourself, when you had kids, you started with one method, and you're like, well, that didn't work because this one's way too headstrong. So this, that, that's not going to work with him, but it's going to work with her. So it's different. Methods change. We do it all the time. It's just sometimes when you talk about a cor corporate thing, we think we get a little scared about it. Uh, what do you mean we're going to change how we're doing things? So what's going to change maybe is a little bit of how we do it. But I'm also excited about it because it was going to give us a few opportunities. It's going to give us opportunities to kind of break out of that kind of same old Sunday, same thing, coming in, getting your room volunteers, getting your room kiddo. They may want to be here that day. They may not want to be here that day, that kind of thing. So it's going to give us a little bit of a, of a change, which I think it's going to be amazing. One of the things we want to do, Alex mentioned, is two of the smaller gatherings that we're talking about, the smaller expressions of Generation Church uh, that we're going to have in January, we're, we're going to call them family experience. And what that is, is we want to get parents and kids we're all going to gather in one room we're going to have worship and video teaching like we usually do when we are in kids together but in this case we're going to have all of us together we're going to do those songs that your kids if you if you haven't if you have a little kid you probably heard them sing even when the lion roars, I wish you could see them sing that way. They love it. And I want them, I want you to be there with them, being as silly and as fun, worshiping God in that same moment. We're going to be able to hear a story together. We're going to have, we're going to do all this in that family experience, in that short time that we'll have together through the video, through worship, through games, through fun. And then as we gather together in that moment of not only worshiping and learning that for that small period, we're going to be having community. Sometimes you, one of the things that happens with churches, we're very sectioned off. And in this scenario, one of the things that we, one of the reasons for our move also is we felt disconnected. Church is way, kids are way over there. 
you guys are way over here. You don't get to see those little ones kind of get in church, get excited, you know, all that stuff. And I want them to see you also. And so that's one of the things that we're looking forward to. And parents a lot of times don't get to even do that together with their kids. They'll take them and they don't get to see kind of what happens when we're over there. And so we, one of the things that I'm looking forward to it is that in these two uh, expressions of, uh, of Generation Church that we're having, the family experience, that's what we try to accomplish. And we'll probably end with, why not, some, some food or some eating at the end so we can have even more fellowship after that. So those are the two things that you shouldn't be worried about. We're also going to have, obviously, uh, probably other uh, small gatherings at the same time, but if which as a family, you're welcome to go, but you are. Uh, this is one that's going to be focused as a family uh, worship experience that we're going to have there. So, so and then uh, if uh, anyone wants, most of your parents have had one of these this morning. If uh, but if you want to take a look at what kids' church is going to look like, kind of in January and February, then we've got these flyers. There's some over there at the uh, welcome desk, and they're over at the kids' area as well. So you pick one up, just take a look, and uh, see what's happening with uh, kids' area. But we can't emphasize enough that uh, kids are a value here at Generation Church. We believe in kids. Um, we were at the uh, Hillsong Elevation concert a couple of Thursdays ago, and just seeing my little son in this concert, overwhelmed because he's like, oh, all these people, all these lights, and crazy. But hearing songs that he hears in the car, and then just looking back and just seeing him with his eyes closed and his hands open, this little four-year-old, just taking it all in and experiencing the presence of Jesus. It's nothing, nothing like it. And so kids are important to us. And we believe in not just our kid, we believe in your kids uh, as, as well. The other fear, one of the, one of the other fears that we saw a lot was about outreach. So... Uh, uh, are we going to do outreach? Are we going to do some community stuff? And so uh, there's, there's two ways churches look at outreach. One is marketing. One is actually what we call outreach. And so they lump them together. Uh, marketing is when, uh, you know, churches will do Facebook ads and, uh, you know, send out the flyers and all that sort of stuff. Uh, that's never really been in our DNA. Uh, to do that. We, we want to get the word out about generation, uh, but we like a more organic way of, of doing it. And so uh, we're not going to do any marketing plans. Uh, that's not in the, in, in the plan. But also when it comes to outreach as well, another thing that the church uh, knows they have to do, but overall doesn't do very well is what we call outreach. Because we know that Jesus went around doing good, and so we need to do good. So we find different things and organizations that we can help and, and, and try to do good and feel good about ourselves. But when you look at a biblical narrative of outreach, it's all about the presence of Jesus. And it's about us as a church taking the presence of Jesus to, uh, to, to, to people. And so we want to take the presence of Jesus to your neighbors to your co-workers. We want to take the presence of Jesus to the homeless, to the hurting, to the hungry, to, to the single mother, to, to the divorcee. We want to take the presence of Jesus uh, to, to, to the school places. All the places that, that people are, it's about taking the presence of Jesus. And so through this transition, that is one thing that we want to do as well. We want to be more active and proactive, not just about gathering together, but taking what is within us, the presence of Jesus, and taking it to these people as well. And, uh, and, 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 and we are open to suggestions for that. Uh, outreach has always been a tough thing because we, we can say, well, we can do this, this, and this, but it's about 
take where is Jesus leading us to take his presence. That's what real outreach is. And so, uh, you know, if there's a, an opportunity that you see, you're like, I can take the presence of Jesus, then, then do that. Um, because that's what outreach is. And let us know um, as well. And then uh, 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 the third thing that we uh, uh, saw fear-wise or question-wise was just disconnectedness. Okay, so if we're going to have smaller gatherings and we're not all going to be together every single week, then are people going to get disconnected um, and things like that? So do you want to just quickly just share on that? Um, some some people put uh, fear of, um, let's see, well, one, one person put generation church falling apart. Let me just say one thing. This church is God's church. God's still on the throne. It's not, it's not ours. We're all in God's hands. And uh, what we are doing is following a God leading that as a church we felt is what we needed to do. And we feel strong about that. And do you have an initial fear? Absolutely. Because I looked, when he first said it, I looked at him and went, what? What do you mean? Give me all the details because I'm a detailed person. I want A, B, and C, and D, and A, and, you know, all that. But it's that reminder of, yes, at first it's nerve-wracking. It may be like, ooh, what's going to happen here? Uncertainty. But it's also that putting yourself in that place and in this moment of being in awe of saying, God, you're in charge of this church. It's not us. God, you're still king on the throne. And this is your church. And what we're doing is I know that you are, you bless those that love you and you bless those that seek you and follow you. And we're going to run with it and follow you in this leading. And we're going to leave this church in your hands. So let's not fear that. Let's not fear it at all. Um, some, someone put feeling, but fear is a, uh, Feeling alone, I think somebody put feeling, being alone, being alone. Somebody put that, um, feeling disconnected from other people. So um, one, one of the main also reasons that we uh, felt that we were, got, was leading us in this direction is we, we were even in this space feeling a disconnection. And oddly enough, when people say, will I feel disconnected? Uh, but we still felt here a disconnection because a building doesn't connect you. It is you that connect with each other. So it's not any building. You, I can connect. I mean, I'm very vocal. So I connect with someone that just gets in the elevator. <laughs> you know, I just, oh, hello, how you do? How's your morning? You know, they may not want to talk to me. And this one's going, oh, Lord, she's talking again. So connection really happens within the people. The building doesn't do anything, but one of the things that we felt is in being having having not a place where we can all come outside in the lobby where we can all kind of chat, where kids can be there seeing others, where you come in and the kids are seeing the band kind of worshiping as they come in. You know, they're kind of peeking and seeing what you're doing. There, you know, where we can go and you can take your kids and then we can come later, where we can bring our kids from time to time to come see the adults worshiping elementary kids so they can see what you guys do, so they can get ready for that moment. All that is what we feel that we need, we want for us to connect. So in this process, there are a few things that in this transition, there's a few things that will happen. We're having those gatherings so that we will not only stay con keep connected with each other, but 
during that, that you make that effort to come and join and be and feel connected. You might even find people in, in our Thanksgiving, Friendsgiving that we had in, in our home. There were a few people that they've been here coming to church for a bit now. And that was the first time they said, I've seen you, but I don't think we've ever met. And so that's what I said is not the building, but is but we do want to, one of the things we want to do is create environments and an atmosphere where you all can come, where we all can come and begin to connect, even with those that, you know, we tend to stay in our own little bubble sometimes of friends and people we know. But there's so much each of you can give to others, you know, not only from your testimony, but just from your skills and your, the way you are, your personality. So in this, in this transition, this small, smaller gatherings and then the large gatherings, come and be part of that. As far as, you know, how do I know where we're at and all that stuff, we're going to be keeping you updated on that. Um, do encourage you, if you have Facebook, follow us on Facebook. We're going to be on that. If you rather do email, sign up for the email. If you want to do uh, uh, text, then give us your, your phone number. But either way, we're going to be very conscious of staying connected with you as far as you knowing what's happening. But I think this moment of transition, rather than, I think, feeling disconnected, I think it's going to bring us a little closer to each other. And at least that's what we're praying. And closer in the sense that we want you to meet with those people you worship. We don't want you to just come and sit. But we want you to see the person next to you and the person next to you to see you. And, and allow God to bring about divine appointments within you so that God can speak to you and you can speak to others. That is what the body of Christ is all about. That's good. That's good. And then one more thing. Um, I'm actually going to name and shame this person, um, but um, but this isn't the only, and this is probably a joke, but I've actually heard this a couple of times. And this was James Bartholomew. I'm not sure if James is in here right now. I don't think so. Uh, oh, there he is right there. There you are, James. And this is where he goes, my only fear and uh, uh, my only fear is Alex's job will offer him a great opportunity far away from here and lose him as long as you guys are in Hartford or Barnum County. I have no fears. Um, and yeah, it's probably all joking aside. But the reality, I've heard that a lot. Okay, so what's happening with you guys? Is this like a transition out? Uh, well, you know, what's going on with your job and, and things like that? Let me just ease your fears. So we're as committed to Generation Church as much as we've ever been committed to Generation Church. And when we started 10 years ago, we, we had a plan, like all younger people have plans of like, we're going to do this and that. And God has a way of making those plans change a little. Um, I, I, I have a great job as well as, you know, being having a wonderful opportunity to, to, to pastor this wonderful congregation. Um, I feel as called to the marketplace as I do to the church. The church has always been in my heart. That's where my heart is. Uh, I, I've had great opportunities throughout my job to meet people and, uh, and connect with people and make friends I would have never had otherwise. That's, that's my ministry out there. That's where I'm a missionary right out there. And I come to Generation Church and, 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 and lead, obviously, the church. But I'm here committed to you guys to help to equip and empower you so that you can be missionaries wherever you go at. So we're committed and uh, we're here. Um, so 
have no fears. And maybe you're like, oh man, I wish they were, you know? But, 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 but we're committed to this. Uh, I feel as strongly about this move as I did when we started Generation Church. And so well, we're excited about what God uh, is going to do. Okay, well, what we're going to do quickly... Um, I'm going to share the Word of God for like 15 minutes. Before we do that, uh, you've been sitting for long enough. Why don't we stand? Let's just quickly just pray over our church and pray for what God is, is going to do. I'm excited for the days ahead. We just sang a song uh, a moment ago called Oceans. Um, and it said, Lord, lead us where my feet cannot wander. You know, will it lead me deeper where I'm going to have to swim in faith. It's basically what it's saying. And if as a church... Bless you. And as a church, we have to be willing to live by faith. And it's the hardest thing in the world to do. Let me tell you, following Jesus is easy if it wasn't for faith. Faith is the hardest thing in the world to do. It's hard for me, and I know it's hard for you. But we have to live by faith. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this church. Lord, we thank you that you said that you will build your church and the very gates of Hades will not prevail against it. We thank you, Lord, that this is your church and you are building your church. God, we thank you for the amazing opportunity to be able to serve in your church and be part of your church and be in this incredible community of faith. And this morning, God, we just lift Generation Church up to you again this morning. Lord, we we believe you have a great plan. Lord, you know the details, you know everything, you know what's going to happen tomorrow, you know what's going to happen next month, you know what's going to happen in March, April and May. And so this morning, God, we just lay once again in your hands, Lord, we trust in you. And so, Father, we follow you in all that you are leading us to do. So, Father, we pray that your blessing will be upon us. God, we ask in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you want to just take your seats very quickly. So this weekend, I was in New York City, and uh, it was uh, lots of people in New York City. We went to the parade, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Um, and uh, you are always told at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade to get there like two, three hours before to get a good spot. Well, we were running a little late, and we got there 10 minutes before. And uh, my wife has a really good knack for getting into small spaces and getting great places. So we waited for 10 minutes and we got a great spot. You know, it was amazing. It was wonderful. But uh, we're in New York City and we're walking around. And, and, and you've seen it around Bel Air, but there was a lot of Salvation Army people. And they were ringing their bells and, uh, uh, and, 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 and obviously asking for donations. If you've gone into a grocery store lately, you've gone past the Salvation Army person. Uh, and, and it's great, the work that they do. But it, what, what really uh, made me kind of smile, in New York City, they're a little different. So uh, I don't know if it's just the city or it's the cold but here in Harvard County, the Salvation Army people, when, they, when you're going into the uh, grocery store, just ringing the bell. And this is all what, what I think. I'm like, what do their ears feel like at the end of the night? You know, I mean, are their ears ringing when they go to bed? You know, when you've heard like loud music, your ears are ringing. But the ones in New York City, they had music going and they were dancing and they were playing to the music and they were having a great time. I even saw some crazy people just joining them in and dancing as well. Like I said, it's New York. What do you expect? And it was just amazing just to see the joy on their face as they're playing the bells. But you look at their little bucket or their sign 
And this is what they say. It says, doing the most good. Doing the most good. I don't know if you know anything about the Salvation Army, but the Salvation Army was started by a man called William Booth. We actually have a picture of William Booth. He has an epic beard, by the way. I mean, this is just like, you know, I'm sure there's like food or something in there. I mean, it's just like, I mean, I I don't think he ever chopped that beard off. William Booth. William Booth lived, uh, he was a British guy, uh, an English guy. And in 1952, he started a church ministry, and he started as a pastor, and he saw a disconnect between the church and the world and, uh, and everyone else around. So he started a ministry within the church, reaching out to the poor, to the hungry, the homeless, and the destitute. And, and he felt it was God was calling him to reach out to these people who were on the margins that, that really weren't welcomed into the church at the time. And as he started doing this, he was criticized by the church people. He was criticized for his unconventional approach. And so in the end, as the criticism built up within the church, because he was reaching out to people who others didn't really want to reach out to, he left the traditional church and he started a ministry called the Christian Mission in 1865. And he started it in East London. If you know anything about East London, East London is probably the equivalent of maybe Harlem or the Bronx in New York. Uh, You know, it's it's, it's definitely much more working class. Uh, and, And he started reaching out to thieves, to prostitutes, to gamblers and drunkards. Now, you can imagine the people in the church, if they had an issue with him reaching out to the poor, the hungry, and the homeless, now watch what they think. Now he's reaching out to the thieves, the prostitutes, the gamblers, and the drunkards. But what would happen as he started reaching out to these people, he found that these marginalized people started to come into faith in Jesus Christ. And their lives started to change around so much so that then they went onto the streets themselves and started to tell the story about what God has done in their lives. And start telling about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And not only that, they started to sing songs of the goodness of Jesus. And by 1878, they changed the name from the Christian mission to the Salvation Army that we know today. But I find it interesting that a group of church people would criticize someone for reaching out to the marginalized of society. Yet this is what happened with William Booth. And this is what has happened to so many throughout the years of the church's existence when they have felt that the tension between the church following the mission of Jesus and the church following an organizational focus, a religious focus. And when Chris shared last week, as he preached up here, he kept using a phrase that just kept going around in my mind. And he started using a phrase and he called it comfort zones, comfort zones. He said how comfort zones are good at times. Comfort zone's a great place to rest. If you need to rest, a great comfy couch is a wonderful place to go and rest. But in order to grow and become effective, we have to leave our comfort zones. 
And for the cricket critics of William Booth, the issue for them was that his way of living for Jesus required a departure from the religious comfort zone these religious people had camped out in. And so they didn't like it because it highlighted to them that they were in their comfort zone. They enjoyed what they had. They enjoyed their church setup as they had it. It's almost like when we're getting up early in the morning. I don't know what time you go to, to work in the morning, but if you get up at 6 o'clock in the morning or maybe 5.30 and you see that neighbor who is getting in their car with their gym gear on, what do you feel about them? You're like, Ugh, those people, who do they think they are? You see the guy out running, you know, and it's 20 degrees outside. And you look at him and you're thinking, oh, sheesh, why does he have to do that in public, right? Like, I, I'm comfortable with who I am. I'm comfortable with not having to get up in the morning and work out. Some of you are like, oh, man, I need to do that. It motivates me to do it. But let's be honest. If you're like me, you look at them and you're like, you envy them a little, but you're like, it, it, it makes me realize I'm not working out and I should be working out. And that's why we don't like people to leave their comfort zones because it often shows us that we haven't left our comfort zone. So as a church, I want to ask you a couple of questions today. Just very quickly, the first one is this. Are we willing to leave our comfort zone or will we be critical of those who are willing to leave their comfort zone? Are we willing to leave our comfort zone or are we critical of those who are willing to leave their comfort zone? So the motto of the Salvation Army is doing the most good. And this is a principle this organization has been built on and, and, and this is a motto no one would have any issues with. Because we all want to do good. And as followers of Jesus, we understand we need to do good. Jesus went around doing good. And if we follow Jesus, we must do good. But I want to ask you another question. Who are we willing to do good for? Who are we willing to do good for? If I asked you to do good for your kids, you would be on board. If I asked you to do good for your family, you would be on board. If I asked you to do good for your friends you would be on board. If I asked you to do good for the people in our church, you probably would be on board. I hope you would. If you were to do good for the people who look like you and live like you, then you know what? I think you would probably be on board. But what if I asked you to do good for those who are not in your circle of friends, who do not look like you, do not act like you, do not live like you, do not speak like you, do not value what you value, do not live out their lives as you think someone should live out their lives. What if I was to ask you to do good for those who are on the outside of your comfort zone, would you? There's an amazing story in the Bible in Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, verses 31 to 35. And I've always read this and thought, what was Jesus thinking? What was Jesus saying? Why did he say this? But this is what it says in, in Mark chapter 3, verse 31. It says, then Jesus, his mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. So Jesus gets confronted with this situation. His mother and brothers are outside the place he's at. Jesus has three options. 
The first one is, oh, let me go see them. Hold on, guys. So he moves and goes see them and see what they want. That's option number one. Option number two is, hey, can you just tell my mom and my brothers I'll be there in a minute? I've just got to finish something. That would have been the polite way of doing it. Option number two. Or option number three, saying, who is my mother? Who is my brother? And that's the option that Jesus took. This is what it says. Jesus replied, who is my brother? Who, are my bro- who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So Jesus is almost dissing his mom and brothers. That's what it sounds like when you hear it. When Jesus said these words, there would have been a gasp in the air. For the family dynamic was one of the most important in Jewish culture. The authority of the parents over the children was one of the most serious commands a Jewish family lived by, that you shall honor your mother and your father. And when Jesus told the story of the prodigal son, it was so shocking in their culture. For a son would never disrespect his father like that. Because they lived in a culture where family was first. Family was all that mattered. So when Jesus makes this statement, who is my mother, who is my brother? It would have been so offensive in their culture. Yet Jesus is actually not disowning his mother and his brothers like it first appears. He's doing something quite amazing. In fact, he is now welcoming those outside his family bloodline into his family. Jesus is saying to those on the margins, he is saying to those who have no one, those who feel rejected, those who are willing to go against the crowd, those who have been ignored, those who have been hurt, those who have been put down, those who feel they can't cope anymore. This is what Jesus is saying. Welcome, come into my family. Come into my family. The most comfortable place, very often, is doing community with the people we know. There is comfort in the familiar. Even at Generation Church, we see that we have our comfort zones. We see pockets of incredible community going on. However, I also see people on the fringes. People on the margins longing for community, longing for someone to say, welcome. And we have to be careful as Christians that our friendships don't become so comfortable that we alienate others trying to find community. This Christmas season, are we willing like Jesus to welcome people in? Are we willing to go to them and invest in their lives? Are we willing to do the most good? As a church moving into a new season, we have to be more about modeling the life of Jesus than we've ever been before. For we can't rely on a building anymore to be our compass. As much as we like, we can't rely at the moment on a steady structure to be our organizational compass. The life, the mission, the love, and the work of Jesus has to be our compass. That's what we have to stay close to. 
One of Jesus' brothers wrote an incredible letter to Jewish people scattered all throughout the Roman Empire. His name was James. And in James chapter 2, verse 14, it tells us this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. I can see that in a very proper English way. Goodbye. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. I think one of the biggest problems in Western Christianity over the last, I don't know, 50 years, is that we believe That as long as I don't sin too bad, right? Because we all sin, but as long as we don't sin too bad. And go to church and live a good moral life and even volunteer in church, even give to church. Then I'm a good Christian. But that isn't the Jesus way. The Jesus way is about reconciling the world to Christ. The Jesus way is going around doing good. The Jesus way is about loving those no one else loves. The Jesus way is about declaring that the kingdom of God is here. The Jesus way is getting out of our comfortable places and bringing Jesus to those on the margins. William Booth got it. He went against the religious tide of comfortable religion and he took Jesus to those the church were not willing to go to. So as a church, who are we willing to go to? Who are we willing to embrace as family? Who is Jesus calling us to reconcile to him? I'm going to give you a good place to start. I think the people that you judge the most probably are the most likely people that Jesus may want you to reach out to. So I'm going to ask you a really uncomfortable question as we close today. Who are the ones you judge? Who are the ones you judge? I want to give you a quick story. One of the perks of my marketplace job is that I get to have a golf membership. I know it's hard, isn't it? (laughs) I love golf. It's great. My job wants me to connect with all these high rolls and stuff, and it's just... They have a nice pool at this golf club. And when we first got there, you would see a group of ladies, same ladies almost every day, young ladies, housewives. 
I nicknamed them the Harford County Housewives. And I didn't know them, but I saw how they were, and I was just like, just pretentious people. I judged them. And for months, I would almost smile when I saw them all. Because I thought I knew them from their outward appearance. And then one day, Raquel's at the pool. By the way, I miss the pool. I wish it wasn't December. I wish it was July. I came after work, and there's Raquel talking to these ladies. I'm like, oh, no. My wife isn't becoming a Harford County housewife. And we started to get to know them. And I started to get to know their husbands and their kids. And I realized they were some of the nicest people I know. Crazy? Yeah. Do they party hard? They sure do. Are some of my stereotypes right? Yes. But I started realizing these are the people that I can bring Jesus to. People I would have never associated with before because I judged them. Last week, we got invited to a Friendsgiving with them all. And I'm there thinking, it's amazing how God works. These people I would have never associated with. Suddenly, God has me in the middle of them to help bring the presence of Jesus to them. Who are the people that you judge? Because I bet those are the people that Jesus is wanting you to take his presence to. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we thank you this morning. Lord, that you do not look on us as the world looks on us. You don't look at us with stereotypical eyes. You don't look at our outward appearance. You don't look, Lord Jesus, at the things we say, the way we live our lives, the decisions that you, we make. You don't look upon us about how much money we do have or how little money we have, what kind of house we live in, what kind of car we drive. God, we thank you. You do not look at us based on the decisions that we've made and the regrets that we have in our past. But God, you look on us as children. You look on us as family. You don't say, these are my mother and brothers, not the rest of you. You say, welcome to my family. And we thank you that you have adopted us into your family. God, we thank you that we are who you say we are. And that is children of the living God. And this morning, God, we thank you that you came upon us, Lord, and you welcomed us, Lord. And when we were on the margins, you welcomed us in. And this morning, Father, we just pray that as people of Jesus, that we will act like you. We will live like you. We will see people like you do, Lord Jesus. That we will see people on the margins and we will go up and we will embrace them. And we will give them a hug and we will say welcome you are welcome and so father god we pray lord that we will not be a judge of people but instead we will love people father we just pray lord that we will be people 
who have the heart of Jesus. And everywhere we go, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's at school, whether it's in the grocery store, God, whether it's at the club, Lord Jesus, God, whether it's with a circle of friends or with our family, Lord, that we will take the presence of Jesus with us wherever we go. That people may experience what it means when Jesus loves them. So God, help us as a church as we move to this new season. Help us more than ever to take the presence of Jesus with us wherever we go. Help us, Lord Jesus, to reach out. Those on the margins, those, God, who others judge, those who don't value what we value, those who may not live lives like we live our lives, God, those who don't believe what we believe, Lord, those who don't look like us or act like us or have the same socioeconomic status as what we do. Help us to reach the poor. Help us to reach the rich. Help us to reach everyone in between. We ask in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Enjoy the first week of December, and we'll see you next week uh, here at Generation Church. God bless you.